It's good to be with you tonight and be able to worship God together. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke as we continue our study of Luke and summarizing Luke in five words. Remember that our first word for the book of Luke is the word salvation. And Luke begins and ends with a proclamation of salvation. And, of course, between, everywhere in between, we read about the Lord who came to bring salvation to all people. Our second word, connected with the first, is the word humanity. And in that word, we see not only a tie to Daniel chapter 7, we see not only authority, but we also see just what we might describe as the humanity of Jesus being the fact that he was both God and man, number one, but number two, how he treated people while here on earth. Luke, more than any other gospel account, gives us illustrations and examples of Jesus spending time meeting the needs of individuals. We see the humanity of Jesus. Our third word is must. Remember, Jesus, about 13 times in the book of Luke, will say something like this, it is necessary, or the Son of Man must do this or that. And that word must, or the idea of it is necessary, having to do with uh, conformity to a divine plan or conformity to the plan of God. And so when Jesus will say, for example, it is necessary that the Son of Man or the Son of Man must suffer or be rejected and suffer and die and raised on the third day. He's saying it has to be this way. It is in conformity with the plan of God. Salvation, humanity, must. Our fourth word tonight probably is a word that could have been a key word or could be a key word in every gospel account. It's not one that we've brought out um, it's not one that we've brought out directly when we looked at Matthew and Mark, but it's one that stood out to me when studying through the book. And if you weren't here last Sunday night, or if you were here last Sunday night, you probably already know that the word is word. Our fourth word is word. And what's interesting is that as we study through the book of Luke, we have an emphasis on Jesus' words and people's reaction to them. Again, that could be said of Matthew, Mark, or John as well, but there are a couple of sections in the book of Luke in the early part of the book that I'd like for us to really key in on this evening. And basically what I want us to see is just two things. I want us to see that there is an emphasis throughout Luke on the authority of Jesus' words. When Jesus speaks, there's power. But then second, I want us to see that in the book of Luke, there is also an emphasis on how people react to the authoritative, powerful words of Jesus Christ. Because the reactions are really all over the map. They were then, and they continue to be now. Let's start in Luke chapter 4 tonight, and as I said, there's really only two sections that I want us to look at, but they're rather extended, so if you uh, don't normally take notes, I would encourage you to take a minute maybe to open up your note app on your iPhone or 
maybe uh, get a pen and a piece of paper or something like that and just jot down some references because we're not going to have the time to look at all of them, but I do want to encourage you to jot them down so you can go back and read them later on. Now, our key passage for this idea is Luke chapter 4 and verse number 32, where the scripture says they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Jesus, uh, in Luke chapter 4, he will, in verse 31 and following, he will uh, perform an exorcism. He will remove a demon. But there's more that goes on leading up to this and even following it that will actually show us that this uh, occasion that Luke uh, writes about in Luke chapter 4, verse 31 to 37 is just part of several little scenes, if you will, that are all put together for the purpose of emphasizing the authority of the words of Jesus. Go back, for example, to uh, the early part of this chapter, verse number 14. This is the beginning of Jesus' Galilean ministry. It's just after the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And we read in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news The news of him went around throughout all the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. Again, emphasis on Jesus' words, what he's saying. Jesus is teaching, Luke chapter 4, verse number 15. We skip down a little bit in this chapter and we find Jesus in the next section in Nazareth. This is the occasion in which he will stand up in the synagogue and he will read from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, And Jesus will make application of Isaiah's prophecy to himself. And he will say in Luke 4, verse number 21, Today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And I want you to look at verse 22. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. This description of his words being gracious, it's not talking about the fact that he spoke in a kind way. It's talking about the fact that he spoke the things of grace, if you will. It's the message of grace, the gospel of the kingdom, which Jesus will mention in just a little while at the end of this chapter, I must preach the kingdom of God. So Jesus is teaching, verse number 14 and 15. Jesus arrives in Nazareth. He stands up and he speaks. He reads. He speaks. He says, this is me. And the people, as they listen to him speaking, as they listen to him teaching and preaching this message of grace, if you will, they're amazed. How could these words come from this man? That's the idea, verse 22. Is this not Joseph's son? And then look at Jesus' reaction, verse 23. In verse 23, down through about verse number 30, Jesus... Jesus predicts that those in Nazareth are going to opine because Jesus had not done the things there that he had done in Capernaum. That's verse 23. You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, you do also here in your own country. Now, notice again the the line that's going through here. Jesus is teaching, verse number 15, 
He is speaking, teaching, preaching in Nazareth. The people are amazed at the things that he's saying in verse number 22, but their attention in verse number 23, as Jesus predicts, or uh, shifts from what they hear him saying to what they've heard about him doing. They want to see more about what he they want to see more about what he's done. They don't just want to hear what he has to say. And so Jesus predicts this. He predicts that they're going to have a problem with him because of it. And uh, that they're going to want him to perform the things there that he had done in Capernaum. And then in verse 31 and following, Luke will go on to tell us a little bit about what he had done in Capernaum. This is a good example of how Luke doesn't always follow things chronologically, but rather uh, thematically or topically. So I want you to look with me at Luke 4.32 and then Luke 4.36. And I want you to underline or make note of the end of verse number 32, his word was with authority. And then in verse number 36, make note of what a word is this. For with authority and uh, power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out of him. You see, chapter 4, verse 31 and following is really, going to, uh, is really going to highlight, 31, really through the end of the chapter, is going to highlight the authority of what Jesus taught. Notice he's teaching in Nazareth, and the people listen, and the people are amazed, but they turn away from it. They say, we don't want to hear, we want to see. Luke says, beginning in verse number 31 and following, you should be more interested in what you hear him say instead of what you see him do because Luke 4 verse 43, I am preaching what? The kingdom of God. I'm preaching the gospel. And it is the message of salvation, the gospel that Jesus is preaching that has the power to save people. But also notice this. In verse 32 and 36, you see authority. This is what we might call a topical preview of every section that goes through the remainder of this chapter. Jesus, in 31 through 37, he casts out the unclean spirit. And notice what he says in verse number 35. Be quiet and come out of him. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of them. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and didn't hurt him. Then they were all amazed, and they spoke amongst themselves, saying, What a word this is, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits to come out of him. What you have to keep in mind is the fact that the Jews in this time, that when they listened to someone who was a teacher that claimed to be speaking on behalf of God, what they generally heard was an exposition of some Old Testament scripture and an argument with others over its proper application appealing to another man for its authority or for their authority. But remember what is said about Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount? That the people were amazed at him because he spoke as one having authority and not as the scribes and the Pharisees. What does that mean? Jesus didn't say, I'm saying do this because this person said do that. Jesus said, I'm saying do this because I'm Jesus and I have the power and the authority to say it. That's exactly the same thing that's going on in Luke chapter 4 as Luke points us to the authority of his word. Jesus speaks Jesus doesn't, have to, Jesus doesn't have to go through any uh, elaborate charade in order to remove these demons. All Jesus has to say is, get out, and they do. 
because his word is powerful. And when he speaks, things happen. Well, what about verse 38 and 39? Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. How does he do it? Verse number 39, he stood over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. What about uh, verse 40 and uh, verse 40 and 41? Again, there are those who bring to Jesus very, uh, those who are sick with diseases and so on. He lays his hands on them. He heals them. And the demons came out of many crying and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked them. He's speaking just like he did in 31 through 37. He rebukes them. He says, uh, he says uh, to them that uh, you need to come out. By the way, isn't it interesting to note that at the beginning of Luke chapter 4, in the record of the uh, devil's temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, one of the things that, Je- or that the devil tried to tempt Jesus with is authority. Luke chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. The devil wanted Jesus to bow to him because he promised Jesus that he would give him authority over all things. But what has Luke showed us by inspiration in Luke 4, verse 31 and following? That Jesus doesn't need any authority from the devil because Jesus already has authority and he has that authority even over the devil and over his minions, if you will. What about 43 to 44? Jesus is what? He's preaching. He's speaking. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because this is the reason for which I have been sent. And uh, you might write down also, Luke chapter 11 and verse number 20 and collect, connect Luke 11 and verse 20 with this because in that passage, Jesus will say, uh, again, talking about casting out demons, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Again, there is this emphasis on Jesus's words. So in your notes, you need to connect Luke 4, verse 14 and 15. And then Luke 4, verse number 22 and 23. And then Luke 4, verse 31 through the end of the chapter, but divide it up. 31 through 37, 38 and 39, 40 and 41, 42 to 44. And Jesus says, or it is said of Jesus in Luke 4, 32 and 36, he is speaking. His word is with authority. He is accomplishing these things by speaking. There are some other passages that bring this out as well, like Luke 5 and verse number 5. Simon said, Master, we've toiled all night long and we've caught nothing, yet at your word we will let down the nets. The word of Jesus was enough for Simon after having been out all night long to go out and to let out the fishing nets again. All Jesus had to do was say it and Simon says, I'll do it. In Luke chapter 7, And verse number seven, one of the most amazing contexts in the book, I think. We read about this man who is a a, a centurion. And uh, this is one who uh, the Jews uh, speak well of, verse four, verse five, because uh, he had helped them. And uh, this man says to Jesus in Luke chapter seven and verse number seven, He says, therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Here is a Gentile that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention that recognized that all Jesus had to do was say something. 
And just at speaking the words that came out of his mouth, that man recognized that they were powerful enough to heal his servant. In Luke 24, verse 19, Jesus is described as one who was mighty in word and deed. So the power of his word. This is just one small section. There are many other passages throughout Luke that emphasize this. The fact that all Jesus had to do was speak. And anytime Jesus spoke, there was power in what he said. The word of Christ is powerful. But now let's look at it from a different vantage point. Look at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we find a familiar section, the parable of the soils. Luke chapter 8. But really, we need to rewind back to Luke chapter 7 and verse number 18. Remember in Luke 7 verse 18, the disciples of John came to Jesus and they asked him, Are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus sends them back with an answer to John in verse 22. Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard. That the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. But now we keep reading, and um, we come to verse 29 and 30. And these two verses are key for this section because they represent a contrast. In verse 29, all the people heard him, and when the tax, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Now, from this point forward, what we're going to have is a discussion of the fact that there are going to be all kinds of different responses to what Jesus says. There are going to be all kinds of different responses to the powerful words of Jesus Christ. We have those who accept, represented in verse number 29, even the tax collectors, all the people. But then we have those who reject him, verse number 30, the Pharisees and the lawyers, and so on and so forth. So this goes on now all the way into chapter 8 because the next section of chapter 7 begins in verse number 36 and this is the occasion in which Jesus was invited to dinner in the house of a Pharisee named Simon and there was a woman who came who was a sinner and who washed his feet and you remember that the Pharisee was not at all happy about it and so Jesus spoke a parable to him beginning in verse number 44 and uh, Then Jesus says to her in verse number 48, your sins are forgiven. Verse number 29, fast forward to the the last section of the chapter. The woman, that's verse 29. The Pharisee, Simon, he's verse number 30. But then we have another example in chapter 8 because in the first three verses of chapter 8, we read about certain women, verse number 2, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. He lists their names and then he begins to describe how they provided and they uh, helped the Lord in his work. And then we have the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower, of course, is representative of the fact that all people, there are all, going to be all kinds of different reactions to the teaching and to the work of Jesus Christ. And those different kind of reactions are based upon the different kinds of hearts. But look at the emphasis. Verse, look at Luke 8, verse 8. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Look at Luke 8, verse 10. 
To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's been given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Verse uh, 12, verse 13, verse 14, and 15. All of these passages, 12, 13, 14, and 15, all have a reference to those who hear the word. Listen, you can't hear something that hasn't been spoken. So Jesus' words are powerful, but our reaction to them is extremely important. And Luke wants us to understand not only the power of what Jesus says, but he wants us to understand the importance of how we react to what he says. You have the different soils. You have the wayside soil, those who uh, refuse to understand. You have the rocky soil, those who receive the word with joy but have no root. The thorny soil, those who hear the word of God but uh, the cares and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. You have the good soil, he who understands, uh, the one who hears and who understands and who bears fruit. So going all the way back to chapter 7, verse 29 and 30, we have those who hear and obey, those who hear and reject. But the ones who hear and obey and the ones who hear and reject are maybe not the ones that we think they might be. The ones who hear and obey are the ones who were set aside. The ones who heard and rejected are the ones who knew the word of God and who should have known Jesus was coming and who should have humbled themselves and who should have listened, but they didn't. So the question that the parable of the soils leaves us with is, uh, which soil are we? But that's not the end of the section. Look at verse 19 to 21. Here's where it ends. In verse 19 to 21, we read about his mother and his brothers coming to him. And it was told to him by someone who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. And how did Jesus answer it? Jesus answered and said, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus wasn't being disrespectful. And Jesus wasn't dishonoring his mother or uh, throwing away his brothers by that statement. Jesus was making a point, and his point is that the ones who are going to be accepted by God, the ones who are going to be able to have fellowship with God and be right with him, the ones who hear and obey, the ones who listen to the authoritative words that come from the mouth of the Lord and put them into practice. In Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus will say more than, uh, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So not only is uh, it true that what Jesus says is powerful and authoritative and we need to take notice of it, but it's also true that how we react to what he says is incredibly important. Turn to the last chapter of Luke. To conclude this uh, study this evening, I want to point out just a couple of more things in this chapter. Luke chapter 24, verse 6, Jesus has risen from the grave. And uh, the words of the angel, verse 6, he is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you. When he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again, and they remembered all of his actions. 
They remembered all of his... No, they remembered all of his... They remembered his words. Look at verse number, uh, look at verse number uh, 11. Mary and Joanna... Uh, Mary Magdalene and uh, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, the other women, they go back and they uh, speak to the apostles. Their words, verse number 11, seem to them like idle tales. Then verse number 13 begins the account of the road to Emmaus. Jesus is walking alongside disciples who are talking about what's happened, and Jesus begins to to have a conversation with them. He begins to ask them about what they're talking about, and they respond to him, well, don't you know what's been going on? And, of course, he begins to teach them. He begins to speak to them and explain from uh, the Scripture everything that had happened. Verse number 44, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Read through Luke chapter 24, and notice that in every section of this chapter, there is some emphasis on words, on teaching, speaking, instructing, preaching. And it's, I think, appropriate that the last thing in this book before Jesus' ascension is his command to the twelve to do what? To go into Jerusalem and to wait until they're endued with power from on high so that they could do Luke twenty four forty seven, so that they could preach repentance and remission of sins, so that they could speak. The words of Jesus are authoritative. We need to listen to them. Now, Jesus says, I want you to go because the Holy Spirit's going to come and he is going to bring to your remembrance, to add John 14, 15, and 16 here, the authoritative and powerful words that I have spoken so that you can stand in my place and speak those words to other people. So, there is an emphasis in the book of Luke on the word, word, the words of Jesus, our reaction to them. There are other passages, other places in Luke that talk about word, talk about our words, how our words reveal what's really in our heart. Talk about how we ought to have a, a desire to hear the words of God, to hear the words of our Lord. Talk about the fact that we need to be careful what we say. All kinds of emphasis on words in the book of Luke. Appreciate your attention this evening. We're going to offer the Lord's invitation. It may be that there's someone here tonight that has need to respond to become a Christian. And if that's the case, then we certainly stand ready and willing to help you in doing that. But maybe tonight you are a Christian, and perhaps you'd like the church to pray for you or to help you and encourage you in some way. Please come forward and let your need be known while we stand and sing together.